that I was charged with developing relationships in the community, telling the story. I'm a huge storyteller. It was always support the families who have kids that are sick. It wasn't support Ronald McDonald House Charity because people give to people. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Why Milbank Podcast Network from Milbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. TheInterviewPodcast.org is the website for this show. Go there and find all the episodes. Also, if you want to help support the show, there's a donate button there. We operate under the value for value model, which says we produce the content and put it out there to you. If you get value out of it, you determine what that value looks like. Send it back to us so we can continue these conversations with people from around the world. And today, again, is no exception. It's an honor of mine to bring in someone that I've uh, uh, been watching for some years. Um, the former chief communications officer for the Ronald McDonald House Charities of Central Texas, based in Austin, Texas. Tina Curry, also podcaster extraordinaire, uh, co-host of Curry and the Keeper, curryandthekeeper.com. Tina Curry is with me today to talk about nonprofit, fundraising, telling stories, uh, and her journey into what some might call uh, enlightenment, but it's more uh, uh, an opening of a mind, opening of her mind uh, to the truth. So, hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks for hanging out with us for the next hour and a half or so. Let's get right into it with Tina Curry. I don't know if I should call you the keeper because it's weird, but uh, you do uh, in your your LinkedIn. You are a podcast professional. Uh, <laughs> I got a lot of I got a lot of beef for that too. Awesome. Adam goes, no, you're an apprentice. Oh, lovely <laughs> apprentice who's taking the race. Um, but Tina Curry uh, of Curry and the Keeper, and among other things, uh, welcome to the interview. I'm really excited to have this chat. Thanks so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Looking at your history of your professional life has all kind of been in the marketing and communications world. Uh, kind of break down how you got into that. What, what was the, what got you into that concept? Oh, geez, this is going way back. I am um, in my twenties. I started working for a bank in downtown Chicago and um, I was just a high school graduate at the point, at that point. And I started helping out in the marketing department and um, I was encouraged to go to school to get my degree. And so the bank actually put me through school and I graduated from DePaul University and they paid for my entire education. The bank as did? as soon as I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There was tuition reimbursement back then. I don't think that it's really uh, common right now. And then, um, so I started helping out in the marketing department and I just started um, getting promoted. And I ended up being the assistant vice president of uh, marketing in this one bank that I worked for. And I worked for them for 11 years. Wow. And then I moved on to another bank. And then when I had my daughters, I stopped working. <clears throat> and then uh, we had lived, we had moved to Florida. What, and uh, my, what year was this? Oh my gosh. We moved to Florida in 1998. Okay. And I was a stay at home mom. And unbeknownst to me, I got involved with the school and I started fundraising for the school and using my marketing skills to help them. So and you I just, you volunteered or they happened mm -hmm. to find out that you had that skill? No, I, I volunteered. All right. And then I got elected to the school board 
And I didn't really even realize that I was, I, I realized I was doing marketing, but I didn't realize that I was doing fundraising. Mm-hmm. And then my, I switched my daughter, this was a Lutheran school. And then I switched my daughters to public school and I, I needed to do something. And I was at a bus stop one day and I was chatting with a neighbor and talking about my marketing background. And she worked for a very small after school arts education program for low income children. And I said, oh, I can, I can come in and talk to you if you need help. And so I offered to write a strategic marketing plan for them for free because wow. I just wanted something to do. Mm-hmm. And um, they ended up hiring me. And that's how my nonprofit career started. So I went from financial, where I was glamorizing checking accounts and mutual <laughs> funds, to now helping low-income children. And um, I loved it. I loved it. I worked for them for a year. And then I moved on to a bigger organization. Mm-hmm. And then I moved on to... The opposite side, I worked for a community foundation and community foundation, their primary goal is basically to inspire philanthropy and to open up charitable accounts for people. Okay. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different than advertising or not advertising, but marketing a cause. What is and, the, what is the fundamental change? Is it just the, the message you're trying to get across? Because the, the yes. tools must be the same, right? It's, it's, yes, the structure is the same. However, when you work for a nonprofit, you're asking people to give to people, mm. to support people, to support a cause, whether it's animals or children or education. When you work for the community foundation, you're asking people to be philanthropic. Mm. You're asking them to, to set up a charitable fund to support those organizations. So you're really marketing to people um, to get them to be philanthropic. So it's a little different. So it's, emo- it's really- an emotional pull at that point. Exactly. And I realized that I really liked uh, fundraising for the cause. I didn't really like to fundraise or I really didn't like to market people to be philanthropic because Mm. I think there's a lot that goes into that. I think that it depends on the environment you're raised in. It depends on who who, um, crosses your path, your experiences, that there are just some people that just don't have that philanthropic bone in them. They just don't. And to me, to convince people to do that, I thought was more difficult than saying, hey, can you help this low income child that needs an after school program so the parents can work? Right. So <clears throat> I left Florida and then I um, moved to Texas in 2013. And I started working for Ronald McDonald House Charities. So did you move because of that career change or, or because of the job or did you just go to Texas and find it? <laughs> well, my, no. Well, I was married to my uh, previous husband and he got a position with a local university in Texas. And so he had moved out here and then I eventually followed mm-hmm. and then um, ended up getting a divorce. And, but before that I landed a job at Ronald McDonald house charities of okay. central Texas. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what they did when I, when I worked for them, I knew that it was associated with McDonald's, but I really had no clue what their mission was. So That's interesting. Cause I've always assumed that as well. Um, mm-hmm. that, that it's like part of the, the lovely fast food chain. Uh, uh-huh. it, it was right. Like that's how it originally started. It's kind of a that's an how, offshoot of that. Yes, exactly. That's how it started. I, gosh, I want to say 1969 it started, but what, what had happened was this, uh, this man who was involved with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't remember in what capacity his daughter had gotten sick mm-hmm. and she was in the hospital. And he was sleeping in a chair in the room at night. And he said, there's got to be a better way to support families when their children right. are enduring yeah. a long illness or sickness. And he partnered with a franchise owner of a McDonald's and the Philadelphia Eagles and a local uh, and a doctor, a physician in the area. 
and they created the Ronald McDonald House Charities uh, uh, nonprofit organization. So that's how it started. And and the goal was to just give you a place to sleep that was better than like going to a hotel. Is that right? Well, if you, yes. And if you think about it, if for instance, a child, your child gets diagnosed with some, like, let's just say leukemia. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a family's world is completely turned upside down. Yeah. So if they have to travel for treatment, say they have to travel an hour, hour and a half away, it's, it, think of the cost, the, the, the transportation costs, sitting in the hospital, the food right. costs, the, yeah. everything. And so what Ronald McDonald House Charities provides is a home away from home for families so that they're close. To, and typically these, these um, the, the houses are either in the hospital or located near a children's hospital. So they're always- So they have some actually in the, the facility? Kids. Yes, there really? are some in, in Houston. There's a, yes, there's a Ronald McDonald house charities in okay. the hospital. And so the one that I was at in Austin, they were right across the street from the children's hospital. And so families would come and stay for months, really? months if their child got a cancer diagnosis. And so we provided them the opportunity to work there. So they had free internet and Wi-Fi. We gave them meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks. They had laundry facilities. They had everything that they needed so that they could stay close to their child. Mm -hmm. Because yes, if you think about it, like I said, their world is completely upside down. Parents, if they had to stop working and then endure the expense of a hotel for 60, 90 days, it's huge. And so the reason that Ronald McDonald House Charities exists is because of the generosity of donors. If it wasn't for people giving to people, it would not happen. And it's an amazing organization. That's how I met Adam. What? You don't know that story? <laughs> well, it, it's probably back there somewhere, but yeah, no, it's, yeah. tell okay. me the story. What, what was that? Uh, so um, the CEO of, of the house asked Adam to MC an event, one of our biggest fundraisers. Oh, okay. It's gotcha. called the Bandana Ball. Yes. Yep. And um, Adam came for a meeting and I had to write his script for him because I was the chief um, communications officer. And so I started working with him. Wait a second. And, okay. So hold on. Yeah. So when you bring in a speaker you give them their speech for, yeah, for events I, I like that it. is yeah, that typical yeah yeah i did all of that I, I i produced videos i wrote all the newsletters i wrote all the fundraising appeals i wrote the ceo speeches and so i had to work with adam because i needed to direct him on what to say because it was his his job to get up there and raise a boatload of money for us <laughs> right so <laughs> So, yeah, so I started working with him and he said, hey, after this event, I'd like to take you out for dinner. And I said, of course, you did. Okay. <laughs> so, of course, hey. I had to do my reconnaissance. I had to do my reconnaissance on him. And, you know, so at that point, were you out. like red flag, red flag, red flag? I mean, what was? No, I was actually quite intrigued because yeah. obviously I knew him. I knew him from MTV and um, I didn't I didn't really know what he had done from the time that he left MTV up until, you know, to 2015. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I had to do my I had to do my research. Due due diligence is what we call it. (laughs) Dude, exactly. I like that. I like that. So, Um, so yeah. So like that, the benefit of having the Ronald McDonald house is these families don't pay a dime. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there an application process or they just have to have a kid in treatment? Yeah. So what happens is when a child is admitted to the hospital, Mm -hmm. it's interesting because it's the social worker that will say, you know, we have a Ronald McDonald House charities here where you can stay. And a lot of people don't know about them until they need them, until they need the house. And so that's how they're referred. So a referral is then sent over to the house. And then depending on 
the room availability, Mm -hmm. they're assigned a room and they have to follow background. They have to, um, we do a background check or they, they do a background check to make sure that, because there's certain rules. I mean, we don't want people who are convicted criminals staying at the house and, um, yeah. And then they stay and they stay as long as they need to stay. Wow. And the, the house in Austin now is undergoing a huge capital campaign because Austin has attracted the children's hospital in Austin has attracted some really high level um, specialists, special specialty doctors like a cardiologist. And so a lot of people are, are traveling to Austin to have heart surgery done for their children. So what has happened is the house has gotten wow. busier. That's and cool. there's a wait, there's a huge wait list. So now they're undergoing a huge capital campaign to add 50 rooms onto the house because it's needed. Mm-hmm. Austin's growing by leaps and bounds. And so Thanks when families move in there, yeah, <laughs> when families move in there, kids yeah. get sick, you yeah. know? So, yeah. So, so is this something that is nationwide in every state? Oh, yeah. oh it's, it's throughout. Yeah. And it's throughout the world. It's not it's just nationwide. Really? Is mm-hmm. it operated locally and like owned and operated like a franchise or is this one big corporation company that manages it all? Well, there's a, there's a global Ronald McDonald house charities, but each individual house is its separate own 501 C three. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So they all do their own individual fundraising. And so that's what I was charged with. I was charged with developing relationships in the community, telling the story. I'm a huge storyteller. It was always Support the families who have kids that are sick. It wasn't support Ronald McDonald House charity because people give to people. What was your biggest, well, I guess what was the biggest thing that you learned going into that specific role in the, the communications world? If you're selling a bank, you know, you're selling uh, a community, that's one thing. But when you move into this side where it really is based on emotion and, and helping, like directly helping someone personally. I'd have to say, hands down, it was the gratitude really? from the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they were so grateful to have this resource because when your child is sick, you're, that's all you're thinking about. All you want is your child to come home. Mm-hmm. And so it was the gratitude. I remember distinctly <clears throat> one time I was sitting in my office and I heard this woman on the phone and her, uh, her grandchild had just been admitted to the hospital and the grandma was staying with the parents. And she was talking, I don't know who she was talking to, but she was saying how she was overwhelmed at the generosity that the house had provided. And she said, you know what, this is my forever charity. Mm. And that just stuck with me. And that's how Adam and I look at it. Like it's our forever charity because it is just an amazing resource that people don't even realize it, like I said, until they need it. Mm -hmm. So it's the gratitude of the parents. And I I spoke to a lot of parents because I had to interview them. I videotaped them. I wrote articles for newsletters. I wrote, I wrote articles. After they're in the house. So that, that was to tell the stories of, of people that benefited from this. Right. Exactly. And that's the best way because again, mm-hmm. I'll say it again, people give to people. Yeah. So if you share the story and say, Hey, this happened because of you, you're the one that helped this family who was staying at the house for six months. So, and there were the unfortunate stories too. Sadly, you know, there were families that their children didn't make it. And that was mm-hmm. just, just as heart wrenching, but they, the families right. were still so grateful, so grateful. So. Yeah, because just the additional burden of having to manage <laughs> where they're going to stay during all that—that's horrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's wild. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. It was. I, 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 I have a great affection for the nonprofit community. A lot of good happens. D- does it need to be centered on that personal piece though to make it really valuable and successful? I think so. Yeah. I had great success. I had, when I worked at this, um, um, it was an after school program for low income children when I lived in Florida. 
And we used to host this, it was called the Delray Beach Home Tour. And so it was, people would donate to open their homes and women, it was like a women's event. They would walk through the houses and I was charged with handing out flyers to say, hey, you've attended this event, but I want you to show what you're supporting to get people to the after school program so Mm -hmm. that they could see it. And this, um, finally six women out of, I don't know, there were 800 women that attended this event came and did a tour. And I just did my tour and I talked about how, you know, their support of this event impacted these low-income children, allowed the parents to continue to work. And about a month later, this woman called me and she said, my, um, you gave the tour. She said, and I want to, I want to make a gift, a donation to the, the organization. I said, okay. It ended up being a $100,000 donation. Wow. That was by far the big, <laughs> that was by far the biggest donation that I was able to secure. And it was all because of, of telling these people how they were going to impact somebody else's life. And right. it, it moved her, it moved her. It's, it's a part of being a storyteller mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So a lot of good memories. So you, uh, retired from that position at the Ronald McDonald House in 19. I, is that right? And yes, 2019, I retired. Yeah. We yeah. only know this because I'm creeping on your LinkedIn. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little bit of consulting work for them and I've done, yeah, I've done a little bit of consulting work here and there, but I just, I had created such a well oiled machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I, it was just working so beautifully. And the sad thing about the nonprofit is if they want to cut money because they want most of the money to go to the programs, they're going to cut it in marketing. Like they want, they want to put the money where it's really going to support people. And so I was spinning uh, gold out of yarn all the time. I was asking for free things. You have to in the nonprofit. And I got it to such a point it was running so well. And I thought, you know what, it's time for somebody else to come in and work Mm -hmm. their magic and see uh, I want to see how they can help transform it and move it along. So every time we, I get a newsletter or uh, any type of communication from them, I'm always looking at it with an eagle eye. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> did they stay with my <laughs> with my structure? Are they doing a good job? So, do, do you find some ownership in that? Like, is that like your baby? Yeah. Well, when I was at the community foundation years before that, I had rebranded them. Oh. And introduced a whole new logo and tagline. And mm-hmm. so I love seeing my work all the time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that so. Is, that's one of the best things about my job. I, I do, you know, photography and I do graphic design for companies. It's the best thing ever to drive down the road and see your brand that you made for them. Up I know. The so, yeah, that is, I totally get that. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. So, yeah. So lots of, yeah. So I've officially retired and I just, after I left um, Ronald McDonald House Charities, I, I just wanted to do something different. So I went into retail sales and um, my storytelling skills, I knocked it out of the park. I was real, I was super competitive though. All these college kids were, were working with me and I was so competitive. I just wanted to squash them. And I did. That's awesome. Well, it's an unfair advantage if we think about it. You have piles of experience that they don't have. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But, uh, but retail in what though? I sold women's clothing. I sold like, um, what's, like what's yeah. the story to tell there and in the, in the shop? Oh my gosh. I mean, I talked about my daughters. I talked about. Also, you um, became just, relational with them and then they'll buy whatever yeah. you say. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. I developed a relationship with them and I was the top salesperson consistently really? all the time because I'll talk to, I'll talk to a rock really. I will. So <laughs> well, you're I, talking to me, that, so that's great. <laughs> the storytelling though, I really think it just, it really helped me in that instance. And I didn't realize how competitive I was when mm. I got, until I got there. Yeah. Like I was like, I am going to win 
I'm going to win every day. I'm going to win. And I did really well. And I really liked it. And Adam kept saying, you should go sell like uh, cars or something. Or real estate. Yeah, a ton of money. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's where it's at if you're good. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So then you you were still in Austin at the time. Is that right? When you were done with? um, Yeah. How long were you there? Five years in Austin? Or were you you in Austin uh, longer than that? No, I moved 2014 and we moved last year out of Austin 20. So six, okay. six years. Yeah. yeah. Um, in six years, what changed? In Austin? Yeah. Oh, a lot. Well, we got a very progressive city council and Th- that was biggest, new. You know, I hadn't really followed it and we can talk about okay. that about, uh, but I, I didn't really follow it until they, imposed a camping ordinance for the unhoused or the homeless. Oh, right. I remember. And yes. that's when our neighborhood, that's when Austin started to just deteriorate. And so they passed this ordinance in the name of compassion mm-hmm. um, and thinking that only homeless people needed housing. That's not the case. It needs to be a multi-pronged approach in order to really help individuals. And so they let these people camp anywhere. They camped on the trail in the beautiful parks, they camped in the medians, they camped underneath the, the um, expressways. And it started, it was, it was like a third world country, especially we had bought a house in East Austin and there was a, there's a section that had a pretty wide median mm-hmm. uh, and it was filled full. with tents and garbage. And just, it was, it, like I said, it looked like a third world country. And so we saw this kind of slowly unfolding and it wasn't until my sister came to visit me from Chicago and she said, what the heck happened to Austin? And then that's when from Adam Chicago, and, yes, and <laughs> wow. so, in Northwest Indiana, actually, <laughs> okay, so sorry. that's, that's yeah. when Adam and I, um, we really saw it with, the, mm-hmm. with different eyes because it just started to unfold. They had, um, put a referendum on, um, uh, a couple years ago to rescind the camping ordinance and it, it passed, um, it was called Prop B and it passed and it took the, the city months to start enforcing. Really? Yes, because they defunded the police. Mm. So we decided this is, this community is no longer for us. And, um, we ended up buying a house about 90 miles West in Hill country. Okay. Yeah. Out, out in the middle of nowhere. Well, which is, we love it. There's <laughs> yeah. about, about maybe 15 to 18,000 people here and it's quiet and we bought three acres and we just, yeah, we just love it. I mean, we're at this point in our life right now, our daughters are grown. Um, they're off our payroll and that's a win. Good work. (laughs) And so, you know, we just decided, yeah, let's, let's, let's move out and have a little bit more space and we don't need everything that Austin once offered us. And Mm -hmm. it was a, it was a good move for us. Did, uh, did COVID help that decision a little bit well let, let me rephrase that did the response by the government to covid help that uh decision along you know looking back i would say yes but at the time we weren't that thinking wasn't? about that okay. but in, interestingly enough adam and i were never really uh we not obviously you know he didn't buy into the fear-mongering i didn't buy into it um we wanted to support our local community mm-hmm. as soon as texas opened up on may 1st we were out we went to a restaurant we supported them we thought the whole thing was just a bunch of garbage as you know 
And um, so that wasn't really a driving force. It was more the um, the homeless population and the unpredictability of them because it started right. to frighten me that yeah. moved us out of Austin. But interestingly enough, when we came to look at this house, um, we had our masks in our hand and the realtor opens the door and we're like, well, do you want us to put our masks? He's like, get out of here. Man, we don't do that here. And apparently that's what I understand is a lot of people kept coming to, we live in Fredericksburg. Yeah. A lot of people kept coming to Fredericksburg because they didn't have the stringent protocols that oh, Austin had. So it was a little yeah. oasis in the, in the exactly. desert. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, it was nice to see that. It yeah. was really nice. Well, mm-hmm. I am grateful that I, that we live in South Dakota because, um, we never got like where we're at, never got shut down. The local city council at the time, um, like early 2020, after this all started, they kind of panicked for a second and basically said, restaurants, you can't have people eat inside. That was basically it, mm-hmm. um, which I then had the mayor on the show here just to say, hey, what's going on? Is that going to, you know, well, we want to be careful. Fine. No big deal. Uh, I mm-hmm. had the governor in here a couple months ago and asked her what the biggest um, surprise was coming out of that for her. And she said, the fact that we had to tell people <clears throat> from the government perspective, to wash your hands. Oh, gosh. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> of all the things. Yeah. Are we 12? Apparently. Uh, exactly. Apparently exactly. Um, so so <laughs> I, I totally never saw direct impact much. Now, my business got impacted heavily because I, I all my labs that produce my work are in Minnesota, Michigan, and California. Oh, oh, so, oh. So, I mean, <laughs> lovely, lovely governments there. So their yeah. decisions directly impacted us Uh so we you know there was a lot there um we Mm -hmm. drove in february of 21 we drove to oregon to photograph an event out there and it was like driving to a third world i lived in africa for about six months i guess five six months back in 2004 and um it felt weird it felt like we're going back there i drove to went to a mcdonald's drive-thru on the talkie window where you place your order was a sign that said by local or by uh, state ordinance, whatever state law, executive order, uh, masks must be worn in the drive-through. I said, "Are you kidding me?" So I drive up to the window, and the window is fully covered except a tiny slot that they can barely pass a, a, a full cup of liquid out. Um, in the window, I'm in the window. There's air between. It, it it's was ludicrous. Cra- it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was, it's it was absolutely nuts. Yeah. I know. I but, agree. But as we drove west through um, Wyoming, Idaho, into Washington, California, not it's not California, uh, Oregon, uh, it just got progressively worse. It was weird. And then as we came back to come home, uh, it's like air, freedom. You know, we started feeling free again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just made me appreciate that, you know, I, I like the fact that I lived in a smaller community in kind of the middle of nowhere. It was beneficial. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have been I, fun living in a big city. I completely understand. I mean, that that was... That was Austin and Fredericksburg. I mean, that mm-hmm. in, it's a 90 miles away. That's how different it yeah. was. So, yeah, I, I, I get you. I, I don't understand the people who drive in their cars with their masks on. I just don't. Oh, the, I other just don't. the other day. I don't get it. I saw a side guy in town. So there, there are people here that do that alone in his truck. Yeah. It just. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. It makes no sense. I, uh, I, I, I'm with yeah. you. It's I'm with you. Crazy. Um, so you have become a podcast professional. <laughs> that's saying loosely loosely hey it's in black and white on it's the top of your top of the page no um what was the 
was it just simply because Adam is fully pulled into the podcast world that you guys thought, let's do our own? Or what, what pulled you into making Curry and the Keeper? Okay. Well, oh, let's see. It was about a year and a half ago. Do you know, um, do you know Adam's friend, Gene, Sir Gene Speaks? Uh, I listened to him. Yep. Yes. He asked me to come on his podcast. Okay. And I'm like, why? I have, I'm not interesting. I have nothing to say. Like, and I fretted about that for, for days leading up to it. I'm like, Adam, I just, I, I'm not sure what to say. I'm not an interesting person. And, um, I was on the show and Gene made me feel really comfortable. And he said that it was his most downloaded podcast. Fantastic. So of I was like, maybe I'm onto something here. <laughs> and, uh, and then, um, about, oh my gosh, it was, probably October, November last year. And Jean was actually visiting us. And Adam said, I want to do a podcast with Tina. And, and Jean said, I think you need to do that. And I said, well, what is, what do you, what is this going to be about? Like I, 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 and I said, flat out, this cannot be another no agenda. Cause I am not, that is not my, my wheelhouse at all. And um, Adam's like, well, why don't we just talk about wine? Cause we're seeing, we're going to visit these wineries and then we'll just kind of see where it goes. And I said, okay. All right. And, um, so then we debuted the first one in December and I love it. I have <laughs> such a good time because the, the one comment that keeps coming back to us is that people laugh like, yes. and, and the yeah. way that Adam and I banter back and forth, that's really how we are. Just like, just, we were just talking in the kitchen before, um, chatting with you and something came up and he's like, all right, I'm putting that on my list. Nice. So, <laughs> So now he has something on his list that he's, and that's what we do. We talk about these different things that come up in our, you know, in the, in the two weeks between each mm -hmm. show and, and just chat about them. And so I wasn't nearly as nervous this time around, starting with Adam, I guess, maybe because I knew he would take care of me um, as I was with Gene and maybe because it was the first time with Gene and I had no idea yeah. what he was going to ask me or what I was going to say. And this time now it's just so casual and it's fun and we just laugh and we tell stories <laughs> and I really enjoy it. So, but the big joke is that Adam is my producer now. So <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. It, it's true in most sense. <laughs> yeah. And, he's, and he says, I've created a pod monster. Well, it's his own, Sorry. it's of his own doing. Right. That's perfect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you on the show, I, I've, I've listened to most of them, not all of them, but uh, I showed someone the other day my list of podcasts that I consume on a regular basis, and it's insane. So I have to stop because it's just getting too big. Um, but oh, what's your what's your number one besides No Agenda? What else do you listen good caveat. to? Um, let me look here. I right off I'm always the top, looking for new ones. Okay. Um, let's see here. That one is that one is the top. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad. Uh, I do really enjoy Tom Woods. I think he has great stuff. And I he, I was able to get him on this show, which was fantastic. I blew my mind that he came, but loved, loved chatting with him. Um, actually, probably one of my favorite non-political podcasts is Smartless. Smartless? It is hilarious. Uh, it's, oh. uh, this is, I hate to do an ad for them, but it's, it's a fantastic show. Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. Oh. So, and they, I didn't know, but they apparently have known each other forever and they have a hilarious banter like their their interactions are fantastic but they bring on someone from the industry and one of them usually does it and the other two don't know know who it is so they have this hilarious intro that they do uh and then it's it's crazy if you are interested at all the episode they did with liam neeson uh is extremely insane 
Okay. Like, that guy's okay, incredible. Writing it down. I think I think they said he has when they talked to him, it was early this year, I think. Um, he had just finished his one hundredth movie of his Oh career. my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the dude is insane. But it was oh, cool. Good. Well, thank he you. talked a little bit about uh, him doing Schindler's List and the 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 heaviness and the weight of that role he played and just I mean it's powerful. Very cool interview. So and they're they're funny. I mean Will Arnett is a riot. Nice. So, I, and I like that. I like to be able to laugh. I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why I like our our podcast too. Is I just like to laugh and especially when things are just just so much bad news coming <laughs> right. out. Like yeah. we need we need mm-hmm. some of that. So. Yes, there, there is there is something to have some brevity. Yeah, for uh, sure. For so, sure. yeah, th- th- those are the ones I always check to see who they're on. Because, I mean, I don't listen to everyone, but m- a lot of them. Um, well, No Agenda has really spoiled me because um, I can't listen to podcasts now where people just get on and spout their opinions. Oh, I just Tell me about it. I can't. And I used to be, it, there were several podcasts that I would listen to all the time. And now I, I just can't, I can't listen to them because a lot of what they're saying, I already know. Through no agenda. Well, right. You you have a, <laughs> and living with Adam. <laughs> you, you have a different insight than most. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there's actually one more that I have found fascinating over the years. It's called Les Show, L E S H O W. Oh. Okay. Uh, it is. I think it was syndicated at one point on um, NPR. No, no. Uh, uh, whatever the the radio version of PBS is. Uh, mm-hmm. Might be NPR. Anyway, um, it is Harry Shearer. And it's a monologue. And I believe it's weekly. So Harry Shearer, if you don't know, is um, Derek Smalls from uh, Spinal Tap. Oh, so if you're a yes. rock and roll fan from way back. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. He also is Mark Shubb. Mark Shubb? Is that right? Um, from uh, The Mighty Wind, from The Folksman. It's a whole genre of dark movies. If you want a weird movie, uh- watch A Mighty Wind. Okay. <laughs> um but it, it's fun because it's just a recap of news of the, the week. But he also, I think, was something around 19 voices on The Simpsons. Oh, my gosh. Maybe, oh my maybe it wasn't 19. Maybe it was five or six. But he did that for almost 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So he, he's voices of uh, a bunch of The Simpsons characters. Oh. But he's a phenomenal musician. He's an insane writer. Um, and he, I mean, he has a very left bent, but it's done very well. And he, mm-hmm. he does... Um, he does one thing called Cars I Talk, which is a like Arab uh, car talk, and it's hilarious. It's the Cars I Brothers. It's not car talk. Oh, nice. it, it's modeled after car talk, which was Click and Clack, I think, was an NPR show <laughs> uh-huh. um, way back. All right. I'll have to anyway, check it so out. yeah, it's funny. L- Less show is what it's called. But okay, um, nice. <clears throat> so you started this show centered on wine, and now you are jumping into taking wine off for a few months <laughs> so well, I, yes <laughs> i much heard adam lamenting adam about um, lamenting that so yeah, much to you have begun a journey over the last I, couple not of years yet. oh okay, no over the last couple of years of okay. um kind of rethinking your thought process is, is that right oh very much and, so. and what you believe very much so start at the beginning oh well when I was raising my daughters, I would get up every morning and turn on the Today Show. And I would listen to Matt Lauer and Katie Kirk. And I basically wasn't really interested in politics. And I would just hear what they had to say and mm-hmm. just take it at face value. And um, I always voted Democrat. 
I voted for Obama twice. Um, never really diving into what he was about, who he was, any of his track record. Was that because of family history or just that's where did that liberal bent, the Democrat bent come from? Well, politics was really never a part of growing up ever. Um, It was probably because I'm pro-choice. And that was the one thing that I um, always aligned with. And so I knew that the Democratic Party was Mm -hmm. pro-choice. Um, And so that's really, in all honesty, because I never really followed it, never paid attention. And that's, I just wanted to make sure that I preserved that for women and for my daughters. And so I I remember when Obama was in his second term and I was living in Florida and we had these neighbors and she was trying to talk me out of voting for him. She was trying to talk me into uh, voting Republican. And I just, there was no way I was going to do it only because I had to preserve that, that right. And, um, it wasn't until I met Adam and started listening to the No Agenda show. And I started listening before we actually went out on our first date because I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to know who this person was yeah. and what he did and what this podcast was about. And so I started listening. And then we, when we started dating, he asked me, he said, what do you think of Hillary Clinton? <laughs> and I go, uh, yeah, I like her. He's like, really, have you ever read Clinton Cash? <laughs> that's, that's how the conversation started. And so then I started to, I started to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I would say that I was asleep. I was completely asleep. I thought that the government would always take care of its citizens. That's what they I say. Any, that's what they say exactly. out loud. Oh yeah. I always thought that. I thought they were, they're going to take care of us. If anything ever were to happen, we're fine because we're a good country. We have good, solid values and our mm-hmm. government's going to take care of us. And so as Adam and I, you know, it embarked on our relationship and I started paying attention more and then I started reading more and then I started questioning more and it completely changed my perspective. I, I woke up, I totally mm-hmm. woke up. And so now what the one thing that Adam has taught me was to question everything, mm-hmm. question everything. And now I do. It's an automatic mindset. Right. We were just talking about something. Oh, I, we were talking about um, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton coming out, um, making comments about Bernie Sanders and her book and how Elizabeth Warren made comments that Bernie Sanders said. And I, and I turned to Adam and I go, what's going on here? Something's going on here. <laughs> right. And I never thought that way ever <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. Now I'm like, something's, something's up here. Mm-hmm. And it's because of, and I really credit I credit Adam and no agenda for, for changing my thinking that way. Because like I said, I always thought that the government was going to take care of us. So I I wouldn't say that I, I really don't want to align with any political party. I really Mm -hmm. don't because I think that they're corrupt on both sides. One. Um, Yes. Without doubt. I think, I think once people get involved in politics, they're on that gravy train and they get compromised. Mm -hmm. And we unfortunately suffer because of that. And so I'm very skeptical um, so I don't really like to align with any political mm-hmm. party. I like to really research the person and see what they stand for, and what they've, what they voted on and what they've said and whether they, what they say aligns with what they do. So that's kind of how I approach. So coming, politics. coming from the marketing brain that you have, um, it's dangerous when people start questioning you, isn't it? Like for, for, from their perspective, for, from the side of the government, like you don't want anyone to say, um, what you might be telling us something that's not fully true Mm -hmm. as a marketer don't you want to kind of craft that so you really make sure that this is the one thing that they're focused on and they think about that's the goal right to 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 
move people's um, decision making. But I think also they have to be accountable. Oh, I I, what, absolutely. And accountable. Yes. And if they, they're not, if they don't have that, then yeah, you have every right to question until they, they become transparent and accountable. And that's the one thing that I learned mm-hmm. in, in, uh, for fundraising and nonprofit, in, uh, nonprofit marketing. You, you had to be able to back up what you were saying. And so with that mindset, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I view when I'm going to uh, vote for somebody. That's how I view yeah how I view them. Like, are they transparent? Are they accountable? Mm-hmm. And if something doesn't add up, they, they need to be able to, to, um, say why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I, that's absolutely correct. And that's one of the reasons during election season, I always invite every politician I can to come on this show to yeah, talk, to I have a, that. to have a long conversation. It's not a five minute hit. I'm irritated because our representative in South Dakota gets one in the house. Um, his name is Dusty Johnson. He is less, I mean, he's a nice guy, super smooth. He's a slick, slick operator. Um, mm-hmm. Republican, mm-hmm. South Dakota, you're going to have to be almost. Uh, they will give me like 15 minutes at a time with him. So mm. at least they do something, but it's very specific. Oh, the, you know, the congressman is really busy. He has so this, this much time. Um, but then I have. But hello, you're the person that's going to, yes. that might possibly vote for right. him. So you, they need to make that absolutely. time. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. it's so important to me to get long form conversation with these people about real topics and about what, mm-hmm. how they think. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm working on, I'll have our, one of our senators in studio on Friday uh, and that nice. we'll have about an hour. So that'll be great to just have that talk. Cause I want to know what he's thinking. He's one of the most mm-hmm. under, under the radar guys. That's what I've heard in the, in the mm-hmm. Senate, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. I just, my concern is I think as I alluded to, or as I said, just a few minutes ago, I think that once they get into government that they become compromised yeah. and, um, easily corrupted. Mm-hmm. And well, so that's my concern is how do you, how do you protect yourself from that happening? I mean, people are just motivated by greed mm-hmm. period. Yeah. And how do you protect yourself in order to um, support your constituents that put you in, in office? And so I'm just so skeptical of any yeah. political establishment. Well, the moment that I learned a few years back, I learned that every committee appointment, every committee seat in the U S Congress has a fee associated with it. There's a due, due. Yes, yes. Who in the world pays that? It's always fundraisers. <laughs> Who are these people? Are they actually going to not want something for that cash? Because some of these mm-hmm. big chairmanships are, are seven figures. Mm-hmm. To get that, you want that chair? Perfect. Here's the money to take it. Now, by the way, you need to work on this stuff for us. It happens all day long. It has to. <laughs> and so yes. it, it just frustrates me beyond all end because it's both sides. I mean, I think the Republicans and Democrats are mostly the same product they just have different marketing strategy i agree i do like uh, florida's governor though i do like ron DeSantis a lot do you think he's just an opportunist i mean you you have connection to florida so it, is it real is he the it real appears deal to be. it appears to be i mean i i guess we have to wait to see what's gonna happen but it appears to be he's putting his money where his mouth is so that's true yeah. i like that he's doing that and like i think our governor's okay i I don't really um, agree with the heartbeat bill that they passed, um, but I think he's okay. I'm glad that we are in Texas in the state of Texas during COVID, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, but I do like Ron DeSantis. I do. I like how he's, he, I like how he bases the media and he, he has, he has no qualms about it. And he speaks yeah. intelligently. He does. <laughs> I yes. like that. Yes. He, he, he's he, like Trump without the bombast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. he, he, 
he is very good at communication. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing about Trump that drove me crazy. I'm like, oh my God, yes. this guy needs a communication <laughs> right. manager because he, yeah. can't, he can't pull out a coherent thought. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing that drove me crazy about him. Yes, very true. Yeah. And where yeah. Obama, on the other hand, was very smooth. He spoke well. Oh, but he was a snake. Oh, yes. Now, yes. now that I look yes. back at it, he was a snake. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so if pro-choice was your like that was your guidestone back then, has that changed? Oh uh, no, I'm still very much pro-choice, but um, to, uh, up to a limit. I do not believe in. Uh, let me back up. When I was at Ronald McDonald House Charities, there were so many families that stayed at the house mm -hmm. that had delivered babies at 21, 21 <clears throat> weeks and how devastated they were. Right. And I told story after story about that. And so I think that uh, up to 12 weeks, that's I'm pro-choice up to 12 weeks yeah. after that. I think it's a it's a viable it's a viable um, human being. And I, I, I do, do not agree with the Democrats stance on abortion up to unlimited. Um, I don't agree with that at all. I think that's murder. Mm. So, and especially, especially living that through that experience with yeah. all those families at the house mm -hmm. and knowing how much they so desperately wanted that baby and that baby was just hanging on for dear life. So, yeah. So it, no, so yeah. I'm still pro-choice, but only up to about 12 weeks. And, and that, that's a change like o over time for you, like pr prior, no. were you, the, did you always kind of have a line? 12 weeks. It was always my oh, line. Okay. Okay. First trimester always. That's never, I've never. So the heartbeat, the heartbeat bill here in mm -hmm. Texas, it's um, as soon as a heartbeat's detected that, that abortion is, is illegal. And there are circumstances that, um, and I have many people close to me that have experiences. They don't, you don't know, you don't know at six weeks and it's an unfortunate circumstance, whether it was rape, incest, you know, whatever. Um, and they they needed that support, and so that's why I don't agree with that heartbeat. I just think it's too soon. It, it, do you? What are your thoughts on um, assisted suicide? Oh, I'm all for it. Yeah, like if if I have a and Adam and I we just did our wills, and so we had to do a physician's directive. Yeah. And if I knew that I had a a, a terminal illness, and there was and again, I'm going to talk about a story. If I knew that there was no way that I was going to survive. I don't think I would not want to suffer. I watched my sister who had stage four cancer deteriorate day by day. It was cruel. It was cruel to watch that. There was no way she was ever going to survive. It was cruel. And it was, it was so hard on her and it was hard on all of us that surrounded her mm -hmm. in her last days. And so if I was in that, if I was in that, it should be a personal choice. Yeah. But if I was in that that situation, I would definitely no. And then I, I've told Adam, like, oh, pull the plug. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'd rather be on the other side watching you and seeing what you're doing. <laughs> right. Keeping an eye. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. When did your uh, interest or your in uh, your curiosity about God begin? Oh my gosh. You know, I kept getting nudged. Um, it's in it to me these little nudges until they're like screams in your ear mm -hmm. until you pay attention. I kept getting nudged, but I would pass by this church um, that's close to our house and I would look at it and I would be drawn to it. And I, what does kept, that mean? Explain that. Like drawn to, I want to go in there. I want to see what that's about. Mm -hmm. I want to, ex I want to experience it. And I, every day I drive by it. To and go just to, strictly to from the exterior of the building. 
Yes. Yeah. It was an Episcopal church, mm-hmm. beautiful little church. And um, it wasn't until Adam and I, so it was kind of nudge. It was, it was nudging mm-hmm. me. And um, Adam, we were talking one night, we were laying in bed talking, he was talking about the Naomi Wolf article. And he's referenced that on the yep. show about how she was talking about evil and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and about God. And we both started talking about it. And I said, Oh, we just both decided that we wanted to go on this faith journey together and to build our faith. And that we thought that it was important mm-hmm. now at, at this point in our lives. And so with that, we ended up going to the Episcopal church. Is this together. still in Austin when you were there? No, this is here in Fredericksburg. Oh, okay. yep. It's right around the corner from where we live. And we ended up going and Adam really liked it. And I liked it, but it had, um, the, the old hymns, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I like the, I like the contemporary <laughs> yep. Christian music. And, um, then a friend of mine recommended that I go to this church. It's called the bridge. And I decided to go on Easter and I fell in love with it. Really? I love the congregation. I love the pastor. I love the music. I love the message. And often the message, the way that he, the way that he talks about the gospel he puts it in terms of what's happening today mm-hmm. and how I can take that and apply it in my, in my life. And so for me, it makes me emotional, but for me, this journey, God has revealed himself so much yeah. to me since our faith journey started in so many ways. Like I could be thinking something and then all of a sudden pastor Jimmy is talking exactly <laughs> about what I'm thinking about. And um, so it's just built my, it's my faith is, is a work in progress and it's building. And I, read the Bible. I got a clear message to start reading the Bible. Um, and I just am so, I'm so grateful for it because I have more years behind me than I have ahead of me. Mm. And, you know, my mom's still alive and, um, the, things are going to start happening. And so I really want to be able to lean into God yeah. and Jesus when, when things start getting tough and just lay it, lay it at their feet mm-hmm. to help me. So, so yeah, so it was, you know, it's interesting. I was raised Catholic um, and my parents would sleep in on Sunday and force us to go to church or else we would get grounded for a week. So that was my introduction to religion. Lovely. The stick. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so we, my sisters and I would sit in the back and we'd file our nails and Mm -hmm. we'd just have to go because we didn't want to get grounded for a week. And it never really stuck with me. And I, I, I could recite all of the the responses because I I was conditioned to do that, but I never really... I never really understood it or mm-hmm. took the time to um, really get involved. And then when my daughters were growing up, we went to a Lutheran church and mm-hmm. I got involved there and I liked it. But I would say this time around, like I am invested, like a hundred percent I'm invested. So I'm really grateful for this journey and I'm grateful to be on it with Adam. <clears throat> so a little insight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know when it was, but the other day my wife reminded me because I was kind of talking to her about, I've been listening to you guys talk about this on Curry and the Keeper, about your, you know, the, the, the realization you've come to and the, the, um, the joy that's come along with it. And it's fascinating to me because some years back I made comment because I don't know what it was, but I think some conversation that John and Adam were having, um, and it just hit me. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Adam's going to find God. He has to because he's running down that road. And so it was really crazy because when I heard you talking about that Easter service you went to, um, 
And then I've heard the conversation over the last few months of how that's grown and what you've, how you guys have been doing that. It's, it's really encouraging to me because uh, over the last probably two or three years, I, I grew up like literally sleeping under my dad's chair in the sound booth at church. So my mom was a piano player. Um, growing up, we were there, but the church doors were open. We were there. Uh, and so I don't know. I could probably count on maybe two hands over the last 43 years that I haven't been in church on a weekend, oh. um, which has become a little more routine than it probably should be. And it, it was when you talked about your trip back from Utah, um, when you were coming down with the COVID just a few weeks ago and you didn't want to have fun. You weren't, you, you wasn't, you weren't happy about it, but someone else wasn't having a good day. And you said, <clears throat> I need to be a leaky bucket. Mm-hmm. And that was so powerful to me. I mean, I, I've, I've grown up in this religion, in, in this Jesus faith, but it was convicting to me because I don't think that first and having you think that first as such a, a, a new person in this, on this journey was powerful to me because it made me realize, holy cow, I need to reevaluate. So thank you for that because it's huge that that, that was four in your mind. It was right here to try to make that person's life better. Oh my gosh, Greg, that, that, I love that. I love that because that's the whole yeah. reason for being a leaky bucket Yeah, is to be able to bear witness and for mm-hmm. people to just see that. And feel that experience mm-hmm. of God. So I, I yeah. love that. I'm going to talk about that on Curry and Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, so I love that. That, that testimony is huge. So I continue on. Keep, keep going because it's just, it's so powerful. And, you know, you don't have to be a lunatic. You don't have to be crazy. And it, some Christians are. I mean, I, some of us are weird. Well, There's no doubt about is it. On every, is, <laughs> right. on, it could exactly. be every spectrum. Yeah. yeah. But it, it really is about um, preferring others over us. That's, that's what it's about. And my oldest kid is 16 this weekend. And we wrapping up. We're trying to get him graduated at the end of this, this coming year. Um, and we want to send him to serve someone, to serve something. Yeah. Not, yeah. not dump him in college tomorrow. We're going to send him to serve something bigger than himself. So he can become grounded in his faith and in the idea that it's not all about me. It's about giving back. And, mm-hmm. you know, if that means we ship him to Africa, because to I met my wife over there. That's how we actually met. Oh, cool. Um, so if we ship them to our friends that are in Uganda still, that, that may be something we do. Or we ship them to Iowa to serve in, you know, places down there. But it's so important to us, my wife and I, that we instill in our kids that idea that it is, you know, others first. Mm-hmm. Our house usually has guests in it because my wife mm-hmm. wants, you know, we want to be the place people want to come to. And it's just oh, so cool. So continue with that because it's so fun. And I love that you guys are talking about it. It's powerful. Yes. You know, what's interesting is as you're speaking, I'm thinking about all my years in nonprofit service. And I think that was a precursor to mm-hmm. where I am right now because it was always about helping others. Yeah. And there is no greater feeling than knowing that you impacted a life by your, by your, your compassion mm-hmm. and your generous heart. Yeah. There's no other feeling. And I think, like I said, I think that was a precursor to where I'm standing right now in building my faith because yeah. I know what that feeling is. And 
yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I I'm always reminded that I have to be that leaky bucket, <laughs> even when I get angry at not yeah. angry, but if I get annoyed with yeah. something, I'm like, stop, gotta be the leaky bucket. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's so good though, because it's simple, you mm-hmm. know? It's simple. Yeah. We, we're yeah. the only, I tell my kids this all the time. We're the only ones that can control our reactions. You know? Yeah. You may be upset. Something may happen. You don't like it. You get to choose how you react to it. Exactly. I did, um, back in November, I did a, a deep feeling workshop with David Sutcliffe. Do you know who David Sutcliffe is? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, last, oh gosh, it was two years this coming October. We had gone to Las Vegas for a meetup mm-hmm. and, um, uh, Adam called it the super spreader meetup because <laughs> that was a, 10 months after COVID. And anyway, there was, a, there was a guy there and, um, I started talking to him. And one thing I have to do with Adam is I have to, I have to be his handler and move him along because a lot of people want to talk to him. And so I want to make sure everybody gets an opportunity to meet him. Oh, so you're that and, person. All right. Thanks. We're done. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Especially when Adam's going on and on and on about hearing aids. I'm like, dude, we gotta, <laughs> come on, we gotta move it on. Awesome. <laughs> And so, um, there was this guy here and I said, Oh, I want you to meet this guy. Um, uh, he came from California. And so Adam started talking to him. Well, Adam found out that he used to be in the Gilmore girls. I don't know if you've ever watched the Gilmore nope. girls, but it was a really popular show. Yep. And, um, uh, we became friends. And so David had left acting and he started doing what's, uh, the, this, uh, spiritual work called core energetics. And it was about getting to your trauma, but that we hold, and we all have trauma Uh in our lower self. And, um, I participated in one of his uh, workshops last November. And that to me doing that really, I think was the start of opening up my journey to, um, build my faith Mm. and to develop a relationship with God, uh, Jesus Christ Mm. and the whole, and the Holy spirit. So it was just getting into that sort of, um, mindset and watching how, watching and experiencing how things happen. And when you say we're in charge, we're the one who's in charge of our responses. I mean, that's what it, that's mm-hmm. what it taught me, but on, on a bigger level, it was, that was the pathway for me to, that's, that's to pay cool. attention to yeah. that nudge and to, yeah. And to, and move forward with it. That's fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah. So would you recommend others do that? Oh my gosh. David? It was life-changing for really? me because I, I was, um, I was having, a, uh, some challenges with my younger daughter mm-hmm. and, um, it really healed my relationship with her because I was holding on to stuff that I was trying to put on her. And, and we don't, we don't recognize that we're doing that. We're, we're just trying to survive. You know, we're just trying to survive. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And until you, until you see your reactions and your patterns and you take ownership of them and not try to make somebody else responsible for them, it was and it was a life-changing experience really? for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. So now you're getting ready to jump onto another change. Talk to oh, us a yes. little bit about your, uh, your new, <laughs> your, was it 75 days of, uh, well, I yes, don't know, it's hell. Called, it's That's what Adam would call it. Um, I'm like, I'm probably not going to be easy to live with, <laughs> awesome. but you're just going to have to deal. Excellent. dude. So, um, it's called the 75 hard I say challenge. I don't know if it's program or challenge. And it was, it was developed by this guy named Andy Frazella and um, it's a mental and fitness uh, challenge. Um, And so for 75 days uh, I'm basically going to be eating pretty clean, um, no alcohol, no sugar, no cheat days. And that's where the no alcohol for curry and the keeper. 
I had to break it to Adam. So he's going to be drinking by himself. So he's going to be drinking the whole bottle by himself. That's, yeah, get the smaller bottle. Smell it. I'm just going to smell it. Right. <laughs> and so, okay, so 75 days of uh, a pretty healthy diet, which mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do an animal-based diet. So um, I think I'm going to do primarily like really grass-fed beef and um, raw dairy and a little bit of fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ease into it because that's pretty hardcore going, yep. going, you know, full force. And then it's, uh, you got to drink a gallon of water a day. You got to work out twice a day for 45 minutes. So once outside and one inside, and then you've got to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book for 75 days. And so I've been thinking about this for months. 10 pages over the entire 75 days or every day? No, each day, oh, oh, each okay. day, 10 gotcha. pages. Yeah. Well, geez, yeah. you got of the a, Bible. You're good to go. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm all set. Um, so I've been thinking about it for a while mm-hmm. and I just turned 60 in July. And so I'm just like, you know, I really want to see how far I can take it. Cause I'm, I'm pretty disciplined. I'm pretty healthy. Um, but I just wanted to, with this huge milestone that took me forever to even admit that I was that age. I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to try it. And I met this woman at the, at this little store that I work at and she did it. And so she's been kind of my inspiration. Yes. And she said it was really tough on her, but she's so glad that she finished it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really need a challenge and that that's probably, of course, I'd like to drop a few pounds, but I really want a challenge. I really want this mental challenge Mm -hmm. and I want to see if I could do it, which I know that I can do it. So yes, it starts the day after Adam's birthday, September 4th. It ends November 11th. Um, and I Thanksgiving. Perfect. Exactly. (laughs) And, uh, I was thinking about this this morning. I'm like, boy, the first time I have a glass of wine after this, it's going to be interesting. Yes. (laughs) I'll probably get loopy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, no. So I put it out on Instagram Mm -hmm. and said, I'm doing it. And I have seven women that have signed up. Yes. Yes. And so this is really exciting for me because now I'm going to kind of spearhead this group. I may be heading into a whole new career as a coach. Life coach. um, There it is. And so I, I, all these women are going to join me. And so I'm going to start doing, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. So I'm going to do a group text. I might do Slack just to try and keep everybody motivated Mm -hmm. and share stories and pull people up when they feel like they're falling down because people are going to, people are going to want to give up. And if you, if you mess up on any day, you got to start from day one again. Oh, this is hardcore. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the, the interesting thing, wow. though, I put it out on Curry and the Keeper. I've put it out on Instagram. So I have to do it. That's I have right. to be accountable yep. and I have to finish it. And I love that kind of pressure. I love that because being as competitive as I am, mm-hmm. I'm going to crush it. I know I'm going to. And I'm excited to yeah. see where it's going to take me. You know, That's I'm so really cool. excited. Yeah. You want to join us? Oh, brother, I should. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it. I got a couple of days. Yeah. Adam's like, hell no, I'm not doing that. No way. <laughs> but he'll be my biggest cheerleader. Oh, yeah. So that's so great. For sure. Yeah. So I'm excited. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Any. Uh, so is Instagram the best place if people do want to follow you? Is, is that something you are up for? Do you want people to start yeah. chasing you around the social medias? Yeah, for sure. They can. Yeah, they can. Yeah. I'm on Twitter too, but I, I basically kind of trash talk on Twitter. I'm always complaining about somebody. So, <laughs> Isn't that what Adam's Twitter's like, for? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Adam's like, you know, you need to step out of that. You need to, cause the other night I go, I stepped into the fray and he's Ooh. like, Oh my gosh. I know I made a comment about CNN. He's like, Oh, he goes, you know, you're asking for it. You're asking for <laughs> it. Like, I know, I know. 
years it's ago. Like intellectually, I know. Yeah, it's just fun. Years ago, yeah. I uh, I stopped commenting on Facebook. I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'll talk to someone all day long face to face, but I'm not going to get into a typing war with anyone. It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the last several months or so on Instagram, I have begun to troll um, politicians and political parties for the things they say. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fun. And then you get some crazy people. But the best part is when you get a crazy person that jumps in and just yells at you. And then all of a sudden they block you and ban you from seeing their stuff. Like, okay. I know. Adult. You good work. You know what I found out too on Twitter? I never, I never call people names. I don't mm-hmm. typically, I don't insult people, but boy, people <laughs> like to insult me. It's yes. crazy. It's yeah. so crazy. And then on Instagram, it's, it's interesting because my taste changed, like my, my content, like I, I eliminated all celebrities. Like I'm, I'm not interested in a celebrity telling me how I should think of mm-hmm. this, not. So I started watching a lot of cake decorating videos. <laughs> then I started watching a lot of uh, mukbang. Do you know what mukbang is? I've heard of it, but I can't remember uh, what it is. It's these Korean people that just eat food. I oh, don't know yes. why. I'm yes. Right. I don't know. I've got my sisters who've done it uh, yeah. too. I don't know. And then now I'm like thinking about this, this, uh, animal-based diet. So now all of it, it's interesting so how the meat. algorithm just pulls it up. Like, yes, now I'm getting all advertisements for meat and fitness. So hey, you know, they're, <laughs> they're listening. Uh, I know. So when you get into the steak world, which I assume you'll be eating steak, uh, I have found that sous vide steak is my favorite. I will, really? Yep, all day long. I know old Dvorak whines about it, but he's wrong. It's the best. Isn't it gray, though? Is it gray? No. You, no? Okay. Uh, okay, so you have, well, you got to cook it right. If you want to okay. see how to do it properly, follow the YouTube channel Sous Vide Everything. Okay. Uh, guy named Guga. He's in somewhere in South Florida. Um, but he also has another channel called Guga Foods, G-U-G-A Foods. Uh, phenomenal okay. like it's fun crazy youtube show but he you you cook your your meat um and then you sear it afterward and you only cook okay. it to like medium rare so it's like 134 135 it is the best meat you'll ever eat Absolute, it's so tender right all, all day long yeah. and you get yeah. the the seared char from grilling it because mm-hmm. you do finish it either in a, on a cast iron or on a grill oh, mm-hmm. the best or some people use like a propane torch just to sear oh. it on the outside, yeah. Okay. But okay. anyway, that's look that up. It's it's a fantastic way to eat meat. Um, and oh, I have you know, to look that up. It, it's so well, we good. get we get all of our meat from K and C cattle here in Austin. Are you familiar with Texas Slim? Adams talked about I, him. I heard him uh, with Adam, and I've heard him on. He was on Tom Woods Tom the Woods. other day. Yep. Yeah, he'd uh, be I've, a great guy. I've contemplated re- reaching out to him to see because I think he'd be fascinating. He's so interesting. Yeah. He stayed over um, a few nights ago and just to talk to him about just eating and what's happening to our food supply. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I have friends who just refuse to eat beef, but yet they're eating their, All the they're drinking celery crap. juice. Right. They're drinking <laughs> celery juice every day. I'm like, that's so many toxins in that. Like, yeah. so, I mean, he's just really educated me and kind of set my mind mm-hmm. straight about focusing on this animal based diet too. That's, so that's fascinating. My yeah. my mom has pretty much gone on that mo- mostly. I mean, she's off it a little bit, but for the last few years, and and how does she feel? Uh, wonderful. Like yeah, for the most part, it's the best. It, it's been great. Um, yeah, but it's a decision. Like you, it's a choice. You have. To- here's my biggest. Here's my biggest issue, though. I don't eat eggs. I don't like eggs. Oh, I don't like the way right. they taste. So I don't know. So I'm do not you- sure what I'm going to do for breakfast. Okay, where did this phobia come from? Childhood. I blame my mom. Yeah. So was Fried it poor, poorly cooked eggs? 
No, it was the fried eggs where we had to dip the toast in the yolk. Oh, it's, it's just disgusting. <laughs> it's gross. Talking about algorithms. So when the, when the, on Instagram, when eggs would come up, I would just yep. be like, oh my God, I'd watch it and be like, it's disgusting. And then they were showing me more egg, mm-hmm. <laughs> egg mm-hmm. videos. Yeah, no, it was from childhood. I just never liked the taste. I've tried them every which way to Sunday. I just don't like them. And that's a, that's one of the big staples of the animal-based diet is eggs. And I just, oh, I'm not sure what to do about that. Well, close know. your eyes and just try it. <laughs> somebody actually, uh, somebody reached out to me on Instagram and said that they did the same animal-based diet. Mm-hmm. And he said that he took, he put egg yolk in a smoothie. And I said, okay, as oh, long as to, I don't to get the taste protein. it, right. as long as I don't have to taste it, I could probably do that. Cause I can eat cakes or eggs and cake. No problem. Well, of course you but can. You pour this- sugar on anything. You could probably eat it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so that's my big thing. Do you have access to like, I'm sure you do, uh, wild chicken eggs or, you know, free range chicken eggs? Or do you have to buy yes. them from the store? Yes. No, I have access okay. to that. Yeah. yeah we mm-hmm. get like four dozen delivered at home weekly. It's awesome. Uh, oh, some late, you're, some a big farm. Egg, you're a big egg family. Well, we've got four kids. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, we go through eggs. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So no, that's, that's uh, my, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's going to be my biggest challenge awesome. is getting around the egg stuff. Is so. it any animal or is it primarily cattle? Well, as far primarily, as the meat, meat goes, is it is it any meat or does it have to be beef? Primarily beef. Okay. Primarily. Yeah. Because a lot of the chicken, you can't, you can't trust it because oh, it's yeah. pumped with hormones. Yeah. And to me now, looking at the chicken in the store, it's got kind of a gray right. tone to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not appetizing, no. <laughs> but no, and even no fish. No, it's primarily really? beef. Yeah. Beef and raw cheese. So no sushi? No, uh, no. Uh, sushi is one of the most, and I love sushi. It's one of the most contaminated foods to eat. There's, oh, I know, I know. what? It's all in moderation. It's got to be all in moderation. So, Crap, I, I like know. sushi. I do too. <laughs> there isn't any out there here are, in Hill Country though. <laughs> you don't have any sushi restaurants there? No, uh-uh, no. uh-uh. We have no. two We're really here small town. in South Dakota, close to where I, I almost moved. I almost moved to South Dakota way long time ago, long, long time ago. In for, 2000, for 2000, my uh, ex-husband got an uh, offer for work, yes. And I can't remember what Sioux Falls. Okay, yeah, that's the, that's yeah. the big city. Yeah, where do you live? Uh, two hours north of Sioux Falls. On okay. The, we're about 12 miles away from Minnesota, just enough to be... <laughs> So we're in oh. the far like northeast. Uh, if you ever look at a map, Minnesota has a, a kind of bumps out uh, uh-huh. toward the west. We're right at the bottom of that. And how has your weather been this summer? Uh, summer's been hot and humid. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We've had some crazy weather um, about 45 miles south and west of us. Um, a tornado destroyed oh. most of one small community. Oh, And that's no. just horrible. A good friend of ours, um, their house was right in the path. And they oh, were, no. they should be dead. It is a miracle. Absolute miracle oh. or not. Her, her husband and their daughter were in the basement and the husband like laid over top of them because they didn't oh. know what was happening. And when he tried to get up, he couldn't because the beam from the, the oh. held the half of the house up had fallen down. Didn't crush him, but just came down that close. Um, the whole house shifted, I think 12 feet off its foundation. It, it looked like. It was insane. And so oh one, one of the guys um, down there took a drone video of it. And you could just see the path. It looks like he just destroyed a whole strip through town. It was crazy. The is that gym, common? Is it uh, common to not, get tornadoes up there? Well, it happens, but not 
Yeah. We haven't had it in a town like that. Um, That's since I've lived devastating. here. Yeah, it was crazy. Torn- tornadoes are so frightening. When I lived in Florida, I lived through a few hurricanes, mm-hmm. but you have days to prepare for them. You have days to get your right. water. Yeah. And Cause you know, they're coming. Tornado. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It, that is just yeah. absolutely frightening. Absolutely frightening. Oh, and then we've had a lot of that. heavy rain. Um, there was something that came through our town to kind of the Northwest side, knock some trees down, but nothing, there was no like buildings that were destroyed by any means, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. lots of rain. I think one day we got like six inches of rain, which wow. was a lot of rain really wow. fast. We need rain desperately here in Texas. Desperately. I feel, I feel bad for all the, the fawns, the little, the deer and the oh, fawns. Yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no water. We actually put a bucket of water out there. Did you them. really? Yeah. I'm trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to help. You entice so, them in. They'll, they'll they, survive. I, I don't care about the scorpions that come into our house. Oh. They can die, but the deer. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh. I would not do well with that. My mom, no. grew up, my mom was born in Arkansas and, and oh. lived in Arizona. As a kid, and yeah, she talks about scorpions and all that. She's like, nope, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, no, not, yeah, not fun at all. Yeah. All right, Curry and the Keeper is the podcast. Um, yes, it's CurryandTheKeeper.com. Is that right? Yes. Uh, you can go find that there and listen to uh, the musings of Tina and Adam, <laughs> which is it, it. It's fun. It really is. It's lighthearted. Um, it it is, and and I like it. Um, it's a thank you. It's a neat look into someone's life and it's kind of cool it's creepy and when i reached out to you for this interview i felt weird because i feel like i should know you guys but i don't obviously yeah um well the interesting thing about about curry and the keeper too is adam's comedic side comes out he's just like mr you know (laughs) one joke after another (laughs) like he doesn't get to do that as much on on no agenda but yeah he's uh yeah stand-up comedian (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) yeah it's kind of fascinating but i really appreciate you taking the time um anything you uh want to share anything else any other things you're doing in the future is it kind of centered on your the next two months of hell you're going to go through plus yeah that's my focus <laughs> right like now it. so if you want to see uh, my pain you know i'm on instagram so i, I think tina curry 33 is my instagram you're going to be docu- documenting your journey oh yeah oh yeah Do- totally totally i'm not going to do so you have to take a picture every day on this program i'm not going to post the first picture no absolutely not you, well you but, do uh, that at the end right Exactly. Comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll show I'll show pictures of me dying after working out. So (laughs) yeah. People can support me. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Tina Curry, thank you so much for hanging out. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Craig. I really appreciate it. Curryandthekeeper.com is the website. Thanks, Tina, for having this chat with me today. Good luck on your 75 hard. Uh, if you want to follow along, Instagram, search for Tina Curry 33 org is our website. Remember, you can help support the show by just telling people about it, sharing it out to your circle of friends and influence along the social medias and beyond. Uh, if you want to monetarily help support the show, you choose the value that that is based on what you got out of the show. Just click on the donate button at theinterviewpodcast.org and send it back our way so we can continue these conversations. Everything is welcomed and much appreciated. Thanks again, Tina, for hanging out. Have a great day. We will see you on the next one. See you later.